G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. The riches and the treasures of the cross. Today is the Thursday before the Easter long weekend. It's actually called Maundy Thursday. And there's some special things about the Thursday we'll draw attention to in just a few moments. You'll be able to be a part of our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, your thoughts on the power and the passion of the cross, given that we have a focus on Good Friday, on the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and then, of course, uh, the celebration of Resurrection Day on Easter Sunday. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today. And our special guest this hour, my good friend, the Reverend Canon Ron Bundy from the Gold Coast. Hello, Ron. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Let me ask you about this uh, title you have here, Ron, the Reverend Canon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call you the Reverend Loose Canon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Uh, it, it's Canon, not in the sense of a gun, but a, as the, a yardstick. And uh, I'm a residential canon at St. John's Cathedral. Ori- originally, they, they were residential because they lived there um, when they were single uh, priests and looked after the cathedral. But now it really is the canons who organize what happens there and that's sometimes it's an honorary title other times it's a title that involves work which mine does well ron one of the qualifications for being part of this program today is that you're not a young man no uh, I'm, I'm not i'm not about to say you're an old man either <laughs> but uh, but you've got a lot of years of ministry under your belt yep. and uh you're a passionate preacher of the gospel, and the cross is central to a lot of the things that you love to talk about. And uh, the fact that you've got those years under your belt uh, means that you've got some great reflections uh, on the cross to be able to share with us today. Now, you are leading a number of parishes there on the northern part of the Gold Coast, and, uh, and there is a focus that you've got this Easter all about Peter. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, yeah, our parish, Gold Coast North Parish, is roughly around, uh, the, if you think of it, the Tower of Terror at Dreamworld is the geographical centre of our parish. <laughs> uh, but on the coastal side of our parish, a big reward is where I'll be over Easter. We're looking at Easter through the eyes of Peter, the Apostle Peter, tonight at his um, rejection of knowing Jesus, Good Friday, his remorse, and then his restoration uh, on Easter Day. That's been That's the theme. And I mentioned that this is Maundy Thursday, and uh, what are your thoughts on what Maundy Thursday means? Most people uh, have this idea that Easter is all about Good Friday, and it's about Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. Uh, But there are a lot of churches around Australia who have a whole program in the week leading up to Easter, and uh, for a lot of churches they call it Holy Week. It starts there with Palm Sunday, last Sunday. Yep. Uh, Maundy Thursday, it's an important day too. It is indeed. Yeah, for us, um, it's a two-week period, really, Holy Week leading up to 
from Palm Sunday through Morning Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Day, and then Easter week the following week. But Maundy comes from the Latin word mandare, like mandate or commandment, and that comes from our Lord's words in the gospel, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So there's really three main themes on Maundy Thursday, that you love one another, the obvious mark of Christians, it should be, um, the washing of the feet of humility, and uh, and the beginning of the Lord's Supper, or Holy Communion, or Mass, however you call it. And heaps of Christians around Australia, all shades of Christians, celebrate it, usually with a meal. The meal, and sometimes uh, there are churches that are doing the cedar meal or the Passover meal, and there are a lot of meanings in there, and we won't get into those uh, today unless you uh, want to enlarge on any of those, but, but the people are celebrating uh, Easter in these special ways that's actually going through these processes offers tremendously deep and valuable insights into the whole Easter message. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's fairly dramatic. It's not just information from the eyeballs up, if you like. It touches you the whole way, like the meal tonight. We begin by breaking bread and reading those words from 1 Corinthians. Um, the night our Lord was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And then we have the meal. It's a shared meal. In the middle of it, we sing some songs, wash feet if people want their feet washed. And then uh, with the wine at the end, so it's bracketed that way. And uh, and then we um, we're watching a, a wonderful DVD tonight about Peter. Well, for a lot of people, when they think, "Oh, Easter's a long weekend," and maybe we go along to church on Good Friday, maybe we go along to church on Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. Uh, but to think of some of these things that Christians are interested in. On Maundy Thursday, and uh, this whole idea of foot washing. Now, we'll get on to issues of the cross in just yeah. a few moments, but uh, but these things are connected because uh, Jesus and his foot washing of the disciples on the night when they did the Last Supper, uh, this was all very, very powerful in the lead up to what he was about to even further demonstrate at the cross. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can see it as a symbolic thing, but it was the slave's job. Usually people in the Middle East wore sandals and they get to the door and their feet would be dusty and it was the slave's job to take your sandals off and wash your feet. And Jesus is making a point that he's the leader and he's doing this. Um, and the disciples at that point didn't quite get it. They were still thinking of him as a first century um, leader who said, jump and you'd say, how high? Saying, no, 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 Christian leadership's different. Um, it's not being servile, but it's being a servant, doing what's best for other people, bringing out the best in them, which is what love means as well. So there's a lot symbolized in the washing of feet. Yes, in the washing of feet and then connected to the cross, uh, this ultimate sacrifice, oh. this ultimate servanthood of the Saviour. Yep. Uh, there's a message in there, isn't there, for everyone who aspires to any level of Christian leadership today, uh, that when we get to Easter time, we don't think of Easter as a lesson on leadership, but Easter is the biggest lesson on leadership because this is all about the heartbeat of the leader. It is. Um, one, of, one of my jobs actually is that I'm uh, an examining chaplain for archbishops, so people who think they've got a calling to ordination. There's a group of us, and we meant to not make people feel comfortable, but actually examine them. And one of the things I particularly look for is that servant heart, so that if a person's uh, assured as a Christian and they're not going to use the church to make them feel good about themselves, they're going to give themselves to help the church grow, even in ways they wouldn't normally do it themselves. Really important. Be able to take criticism, but that servant attitude, you know? Um, 
what you're saying is that when you start to talk about people being leaders, uh, this message of the cross, uh, this story of the cross, it's all very well, as you say, not just learning something from the eyeballs up. Yeah. It was what you said just yeah, a, right. a short while ago. But, but actually, when you examine people in the way that they are aspiring to leadership, uh, you're looking for the ways in which what happens from the eyeballs up actually uh, – uh, moves down into the heart and changes the individual. Yeah, the 30 centimetre journey, they say, <laughs> from the head to the heart. It's really important because it's not like the cross is something you start off with in kindergarten Christianity, you move on to other things. It's the template for how we live. It's the shape of everything we do. It's what love is. And I think when I celebrate weddings, I sometimes say that uh, the common symbol of love would be Cupid, the heart with Cupid's arrow. But no, for the Christian, it's the cross because... You can't love one any more than give everything you've got for them. And that's what he did. And when we start to talk about this level of depth and of transformation of the life, uh, the cross is not just a thing we celebrate on Good Friday as a public holiday, a simple remembrance of something that happened almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, What you're talking about now is much more deeply symbolic as to how every life has to be changed, uh, how this evaluation has to happen in all of us. And it's the opportunity, the ideal opportunity, this time each year, uh, to make that personal evaluation, Ron. Definitely. Um, See, for for, um, many Christians, um, Easter is the culmination of Lent. Um, It's a period of 40 days leading up, and it can be trivialized, like you're not going to eat chocolates or stuff. Or it can be a great opportunity to stop and ask the question, Am am I, and this is what I ask myself at 68, am I maturing as a Christian or am I just getting older? Because all you get from getting older is getting older. I've met Christians more mature at 18 than those at 68, and it's got to be cross-shaped. So I've got to ask myself, am I, um, my particular prayer through Lent, there's been a few of them, but I'll only tell you one of them, um, (laughs) is that I become more gentle, which has been a difficult thing for me. And... um, and Jesus was like that, with not with people who uh, were just having him on, but look at the way he treated people who'd botched their lives up, like Zacchaeus. He was wonderful to them. So that's what Lent's meant to do. Um, it's a wonderful time just to not just think about your year in a secular way like it's, it's February, March, April, but it's Lent. It's the church year, and I'm part of this journey. And the interesting thing is that most of the major denominations in Australia uh, have this time of Lent yeah. and uh, really is a deep discipleship time when people Definitely. are evaluating and they're asking themselves questions, uh, going through all sorts of yeah. deeper teachings on what it is to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And I often say uh, on the on the other side of those churches that don't actually celebrate or participate in, in Lent, uh, I often say with, uh, with Pentecostals and, uh, and some evangelicals, the thing they gave up for Lent was Lent. Yeah. I'm not I'm not, I'm not altogether <laughs> convinced uh, that there's a lot of value in that. And, and while some people say, uh, well, Lent doesn't appear in the Bible, no. uh, there is certainly very good value in taking that time to, uh, to really uh, have that personal evaluation time in the lead up to a time when you'll actually focus on this yep. message of the cross. Uh, We'll come back and we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Our talkback line is open. You can be a part of our conversation today. What are your thoughts, your insights into the passion and the power of the cross 
Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is the Reverend Cannon. Uh, Ron Bundy, we're talking through issues of the cross. Love you to be part of our conversation today. We're talking about issues of the cross today, passion and the power of the cross. Uh, Ron, you mentioned that in your church, and we talked about the parishes that you lead there at the northern end of the Gold Coast, uh, you've got a significant night on tonight, Maundy Thursday, and it doesn't. Uh, go for an hour and it's all over, it goes right through the night. It does indeed. Um, the meal starts at about 6 uh, and about 8 p.m. We move from the hall where we've been eating into our church building at Big Row Waters. There's a symbolic stripping of uh, the altar. And as we read that reading from John, that ends with the words, and it was night. And that means much more than the sun going down, that it was darkness and Jesus was facing the cross. And then an all-night prayer vigil starts. Let's focus on that uh, it was night because this is an important element. It's one thing to think of the story of the cross uh, and Good Friday, uh, but it's another thing to go that little deeper and start to talk about the message that is in the cross. Uh, It was night. What does that mean? Yeah, well, that's interesting because John, who wrote those words, often has double meanings, not in a bad way, but two meanings like, born again can mean born from above as well, or born anew. And when he says it was night, it's his way of saying that well, Satan had just entered Judas and uh, Jesus is about to be crucified. And I mean, I know with 2,000 years of look back, we can only see the cross in a good light. But from a human point of view, at that time, you would have seen it as a huge tragedy. All his friends deserted him. And what Peter did was not a lot worse than what Judas did, really. Um and uh, so from a, there's many levels of the cross. This night, uh, when we talk about darkness, yeah. uh, the darkness that is apparent uh, when we start to mention that in the lead up to the time when Jesus was crucified, uh, there is a sense in which that darkness is still identifiable today. Undoubtedly. Uh, I come across it often. I, I get asked to pray in certain houses. I see it. Well, I I think that's what our Lord means in the Lord's Prayer when he says, um, your kingdom come. I know it refers to Jesus' return, but when I pray it, I'm thinking of his spirit pushing out the old Ron Bundy and letting the new one in. So the gentleness thing, that that I can relearn and get rid of the darkness and be filled with light, there's all those things. So the other thing I take from it too is that um, the cross undoubtedly on a human level was a huge failure from a human level. Um, but as we look back, God's used it in a wonderful way. And that gives me an encouragement that he, he's not limited to the good bits of my life, but even the bits that I botch up, he can use it. And I like your illustration of the light displacing the darkness. Yeah. And that still happens in individuals today. It does indeed. And the Spirit of God who dwells in us uh, when we have uh, this time when we come to faith, belief in Jesus Christ, uh, dwells within. And uh, and he's like an indwelling light in us that displaces the darkness that was in us before. Yeah, I always think of uh, my life as a Christian and all Christians' lives, no matter what brand of Christians are, this way. It's a bit like a company that's had a change at the top of management, but it takes a while for the influence to filter down to the factory floor. And so that's what's happening in my life so that I come up to react in the way I did in my pre-Christian days because up to age 25, 
I was an agnostic, definitely not a Christian, probably a bit anti actually. Um, but now I sense that work in me from God by the Holy Spirit, as you say, light, exposing the darkness, not to crush me or not to condemn me, but to point it out so I can get rid of it. We are taking your calls. You might have your own thoughts on the power and the passion of the cross. 1-800-316-316, our talkback line. Let's hear from Nick in Sunshine in Victoria. Hello, Nick. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, good afternoon. Um, yeah, My name is Nick, and uh, I talked to you a few days ago. Sure. But uh, uh, I want to be short because I know many listener, listener uh, are waiting for to say what they want to say and what the Bible says. Uh, now, what I want to say, uh, the question is why Jesus had to die on the cross? You know, many people not re- don't realize that uh, uh, looks uh, naive, Adam and Eve and some tree and, and, and some fruit, you know, but then where the sickness coming from, where the death coming from? Okay, let's talk about let's talk about why Jesus had to die on the cross. Uh, Nick, uh, let's hear from Ron Bundy. Ron, what are your thoughts? Yeah, sure. Hi, Nick. Thanks for your call. Really good questions. Um, why did he have to die? I must admit, as a non-Christian in the early seventies and as a new Christian, I used to think that the excuse the unintended pun that the cross was an overkill. It just why can't God just forgive us? I have to forgive other people. And then one time I had to forgive somebody something that they'd really hurt me and they were in the wrong and I was clearly in the right. But to keep the relationship going, I had to absorb the hurt myself. That's why he died on the cross. Um, Forgiveness might be free, but somebody has to pay for it. Like, for example, a family member owes you $20,000 and you know they're not going to pay it to you, but you're going to bump into them every wedding, every birthday, every family function, and it's just eating you away and you come to the conclusion... I have to absorb that debt myself because forgiveness is basically unfair. It means that the person who's been sinned against picks up the debt. That's why he died on the cross. I think to show that what's happening in the world is really sad and serious and it requires a big remedy. That's how I understand it. May I just uh, suggest that uh, Adam and Eve yep. was warning. This, uh, God told them, the day you touch or steal yep. the fruit, you know, you're going to surely die. It means the day you... You break one of Ten Commandments. That's right. And I wonder how many people today know Ten Commandments, Christians, Catholics, Baptists, uh, Orthodox, and so on. Uh, if, you, if you talk to them and you ask them, some of them don't know even one command. No. Meaning that one of commandments was broken, that's why Jesus must go on the cross. I wonder also how many people know that they break to die intentionally or not intentionally, Four command that says, God, no, we forget. Remember, six day week and the seven days are holy Saturday. Yeah. You know, I keep Sabbath. I'm, I'm not a Jew, Jewish, or from Jewish people. I'm from coming from Catholic and Orthodox, from Eastern Europe. But yeah. in the same times, uh, it's catastrophe that people don't know Ten Commandments. And I, I do believe, like a Bible says, like my Holy Bible says, that people to die, break one command. It has not to be Sabbath. 
Mm. Nick, we might tackle that issue on another day when it comes to the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. Uh, I want to thank you for your input today here and for the question that you asked about the cross uh, in simple, uh, and we won't get into the Sabbath today. Uh, Somebody said to me of recent times, uh, if it was good enough for the disciples uh, who were following Jesus so closely to worship on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, the day that symbolized the resurrection day that Jesus rose, uh, then it's good enough for us believers to follow in what those disciples did. And we can talk about that on another day. We might make it a topic of conversation for another time. Uh, Let's continue, though, on some of those points that were raised by Nick, uh, because important points, because some people say, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And there are a lot of symbolisms that we can point to from the Old Testament, Ron. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the serpent in the wilderness yep. uh, lifted, lifted up. up. And uh, there's there's other scriptures just to, to bring these out, and I'll get your thoughts. Uh, the idea of uh, the cursed thing uh, that hangs on the tree. Yep. Uh, these are Old Testament symbolisms that Jesus fulfilled in his hanging on the cross. Yeah, I think there's another historical reason, too, that uh, the if you think of the most powerful force on the planet at the moment, anyway, I guess it would be the United States. In our Lord's Day, it was Rome. And uh, if you were not a Roman citizen and if you committed serious crime, the form of execution was nailing to a cross. So th- that's one reason. But they're clearly, from a human point of view, that's why. But from a biblical point of view, he's fulfilling what was prophesied in the Old Testament, as you you alluded to, where people were being bitten by the snakes in the wilderness because they'd sinned. And uh, Moses lifted up um, a pole with a serpent. If anybody looked at it, um, they were healed. It might seem strange and trivial, but in the end, faith requires us to do what God wants us to do. Like it says in James to pray for the sick and anointment of the world. If he said anoint them with strawberry jam, I guess I'd do that. Um, That's a basic step of faith. You know, I'm always impressed by uh, Jesus' reference to the snake being lifted up in the wilderness. And uh, our listeners might like to uh, go and check that out in the scriptures themselves. But that verse appears just before the very... most prominent verse in most people's minds, John 3.16, was just John 3.15, about the the, the, the serpent being lifted, lifted up, up in the wilderness. And then, of course, if you uh, quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There's a context there that Jesus was lifted up just like that serpent in the wilderness. Yeah. And as we look to him, then we also can receive this eternal life or this healing uh, that God promised for those who were being bitten by snakes in the camp. Uh, Very, very powerful imageries. Uh, The other thing, Ron, of course, that is so important to talk about in this symbolism, of course, is the shedding of blood, Mm -hmm. uh, because this is another reason why Jesus hung on the cross. Undoubtedly. um, The Bible says that, and it sounds horrible when you think of today's thinking, there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, but it's true. Um, that in the end, there's no forgiveness without what Nick referred to, the fact that there are commandments, they've been broken, and God God can't just ignore them. Um, He can't just say at the end of time, oh, look, I didn't mean it about the Ten Commandments. I was only joking. He wasn't joking. And as humans, we're trampled all over them. And so I take it for, for a modern meaning that the shedding of blood and Jesus' death on the cross is showing me two things. 
that sin and what we've done to the planet, and let's face it, it's the humans that have done it, not the animals, the rocks or the trees, mm. is really, really serious. But the rem- remedy, it can more than amply cover that, and it's the ultimate expression of God's love for me. You can be a part of our conversation today. We are talking about the passion and the power of the cross. You might like to be a part of this conversation. 1-800-316-316 is our number. Back with more in just a short while. It's Neil with you on 2020. My good friend Ron Bundy joining us this hour leads a number of uh, Anglican parishes at the northern end of the Gold Coast. We are talking through issues of the cross today, the passion and the power of the cross you can be a part of our conversation 1-800-316-316 ron let's take another call let's hear from riley in townsville hello riley welcome along to 2020 riley are you with us let's try simon from the barossa valley hello simon are you with us yeah i'm here neil and uh, ron how are you very well well thanks what are your thoughts simon well my thoughts on the cross i was brought up a christian and and, you know, didn't really think much, you know, of you went to church every week and didn't think much of the cross as, you know, deep. Just the cross was just the cross, you know, Jesus died for us. But then I began to read the Bible and it uh, changed my whole outlook on the on the cross because it made me realise what such a sinner that I was. So, you know, I thought I was all right. You know, it was just it's a bit like the... Um, the parable of the uh, the Pharisee and the uh, publican, you know. Mm. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm okay, I'm glad I'm not like that person. But when I started reading the Bible, it made me realise what such a sinner I was and what the consequences of sin was and how bad sin is, as you mentioned before, and the wages of sin is death. That's and right. someone had to pay the penalty, so I either paid or because God loves me so much... He said, I'm going to pay it for you, and it'll be paid completely. long as you accept it, you'll have eternal life. And it's, it's, the gospel's quite simple in its context. It's just that we have to accept it, and so many people... There is struggle. a simplicity. Let's hear from Ron, your thoughts on what Simon's saying, Ron. Yeah, hi, Simon. It's Ron here. What you said is you got it in one. Um, I must admit, I was a bit like you, uh, as I've mentioned a bit earlier. For years, I, yeah, I knew he'd die on the cross and everything. But it, I don't think it really did that. Uh, I mentioned earlier that 30-centimetre journey from my head to my heart uh, until I re- realised the depth of my own sin. Yeah. So when, when I became a Christian in 1971, I thought I was a pretty nice guy, actually. I thought, repent. I've got nothing to repent of. But um, as that light kept shining, I realised I wasn't Mr. Nice Guy. And I realised, in, in a way, I think that's the only way you can figure it out. We're looking at Peter in our church this weekend, the Peter's looking at the Easter to the eyes of Peter, and when you think about what he did, I really feel for him when the rooster crowed and he denied him three times, for him to realize that Jesus died even for that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's interesting that um, it says, the Scripture says that the cross is foolishness to those who yes. are perishing. And it, it really is, because people out there uh, who don't believe in God think oh, I'm a pretty good person and there's been fellows like Way of the Master um, fellows they reveal the uh, Ten Commandments to people 
and and they say I'm pretty good. And when they reveal the Ten Commandments, they go, "Oh, I have lied, I have stealed, I have committed lust in my eyes." And and then they go, "Wow, I am a sinner." And then he says, "Well, you know, don't worry about it because Jesus paid the price for you. You know, you need yeah, to repent yep. and be saved." Simon, great to hear from you. Really appreciate uh, your insight and uh, your input today into 2020. Simon, have a wonderful Easter. Simon from the Barossa Valley. And you can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth. Hello, Emmanuel. Welcome along. Hello. How are you? Very well, Emmanuel. Great to hear from you. What are your thoughts on our discussion today about the cross? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was uh, brought up Catholic and then... uh made that on my own decision um, to become a Christian um, on my own terms. Um, can we ever be idealistic about the cross? E.g. put up the cross in our house, in every room. Um, can we ever be sort of worship, uh, idealistic about it? And it's a significant question uh, whether the cross could become an idol. And uh, I'm not sure whether uh, people have different sorts of crosses, uh, open crosses, and uh, then people have a, a crucifix sometimes where it has a depiction of uh, of the crucified Saviour. There are other sorts of crosses too where there's like the Ascension Cross. Uh, let's not get into a, a deep debate on this, but uh, your thoughts, Ron Bundy, on, on whether the cross could become an idol? More a symbol, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I, I must admit I've got a... I do feel a bit along the lines that Emmanuel does that across anything can become an, an idol if you make more of it than it should be like even the Bible can for some people. I mean, God wants us to read it and believe it and practice it, not polish it and put it on the shelf. So, But as a symbol, I can't think of a better symbol for Christianity than the cross. There's nothing like it. It sums everything up. I keep saying to myself... Um, it's cross shaped. When I when I I'm in hospitals a fair bit, I get called out at hospitals, and I tend to wear you know long pants, a white shirt, and a name tag, and a cross. It just says straight away who I am. Um, you know, I'm not sure where you stop with all of that. If we absolutely follow it literally, do we not have pictures of Jesus in kids' DVDs? Yeah, it's just what you make of it, definitely. But thanks for your question. Emmanuel from Perth, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Uh, Ron, let's come back to something that you said a little earlier that you're doing in your church tonight. Uh, you're going all night, uh, yeah. an all-night prayer vigil. Uh, so it's not just, you know, it's not just sort of lip service to what's happening on Easter. Uh, there are people within your parishes, and there's a number of those under your care, uh, who are actually going to be really committing themselves to prayer for some very special things tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's at our church at Big Rewarders, and uh, we have a roster from 8 p.m. tonight to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning because the Friday service, Good Friday service starts at 9, and people roster themselves on for one hour. Um, along, we always have people with somebody else, particularly in the at the graveyard shift, as they say, at 3 a.m., and there are su- suggestions because some people have never prayed for an hour, you know. So we try to explain what we mean. We don't mean you have to be on your knees praying out loud. You can sit, read the Bible. You can um, um, pray silently. There's, there's suggestions for prayer. There's even a place where you can light a candle and place it in the sand. Um, and it, the word we use for it is a vigil. And a vigil means it's what a sentry does. They keep watch. And it's part of our way of saying that um, it's not to get brownie points. It's not that at all. But just to say to God, we really, from our limited perspective, 
um, or trying to say thank you for what your son did for us and keeping watch with him. And, you know, there's reflection that we can bring to of what happened in Gethsemane, which was another event in the lead up to Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. Uh, And uh, Jesus said to the disciples, could you not pray for one hour? Yeah, and they couldn't. Um, uh, So uh, we we do try and do it for an hour. and, And the other reason behind it, too, is that... I think of every good thing that's happened in any church I've been in that's grown, it's always been traced back to prayer. Always. Never, never. I mean, there's place for planning and everything. In the end, you've just got to put in the time and pray. And it's. I think it's really saying to God, we're really taking you seriously. This is not a leisure activity for us. Well, a lot of churches won't be doing the depth uh, in their focus on the cross that you are doing this weekend and uh, having this event tonight and the all-night prayer vigil and uh, the supper together and uh, washing of feet, those things that you were talking about. Uh, There is something in this, though, isn't there, that at Easter time we need to pay special attention to taking things a little deeper and not just paying lip service to the fact that it's another public holiday uh, where we look at the cross and we celebrate or commemorate Good Friday and then celebrate Easter Sunday. Well, no, you're right. Uh, in fact, uh, one thing we have on Easter Day or Resurrection Sunday um, in our services, there's five of them, six of them in, across our three centres, and each one includes a reaffirmation of baptism vows. And there are simple questions. Do you turn to Christ? Do you repent of your sins? Do you renounce evil? And I'll be saying that the word repentance doesn't mean feeling sorry for your sin. It means changing your mind about the place of Jesus in your life. That is moving him from the edge back to the center. And I think it's a, I have to do it myself all the time. Mm. Other things take over and it's constant bringing him to the center. And that's what Easter in a big way takes out the highlighter pen and highlights that, I think. Now, when you say baptism vows, you're talking about in the context of the Anglican Church, and a lot of people uh, listening to our conversation now coming from an Anglican tradition, uh, others who don't come from Anglican traditions, and some people do baptism a little bit differently to others, but the same principle applies here, uh, that because you've been through the waters of baptism, uh, you can apply some of those same sentiments that you understood at the time and reevaluate who you are today based on the fact that you have been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Undoubtedly. I don't think you can have, I could be stoned here, but as long as you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son and Holy Spirit, I don't think you can have an invalid baptism, but you can have an ineffective one. An ineffective one is like someone who's had $10 million left to them in a will and they don't know about it and they live as a pauper. They don't need to get the $10 million. They need to make a withdrawal. So for me, I was baptized back in 1947, didn't come to faith in 1971. But for me, I figured that person baptized back there was me. Um, yet as a church too, we baptize adults by full immersion as well. You know, so. And that's an interesting concept because oftentimes if you're talking about uh, children being baptized, people will say, oh, well, uh, you know, I believe in believers' baptism, yeah. uh, adults. Uh, but and, and some people will think, oh, well, some churches don't do the adult baptisms. Of course, a lot of churches do both. Yeah, well, I, um, and, and I'm not trying to say we've got it right because I think in our denomination we get a lot of things wrong. A lot of all of us do, I suppose. But... Um, I've had people come to faith who've been baptized as children. Like me, my parents and godparents weren't really believers when I was baptized. But I've had other people that have been baptized adults who've fallen away. So 
the baptism was the formal way someone becomes a Christian, but obviously it's more than getting wet. There's got to be that inner change. Definitely. And, of course, when we talk about baptism, and let me just uh, talk about the full immersion baptism for a moment, because we're talking about the cross, uh, we are talking about, as Paul yep. discusses, I think it's Romans chapter 6, yep. where he says that when we're baptized, we are dying and burying with ourselves Christ. with Christ. Yep. And so that symbolism of going from above the water to under the water is that symbolism of being uh, buried with Christ, just as we'll be uh, commemorating and celebrating this weekend that Jesus was in the grave uh, for those days and, of course, then rose again. So coming out of the water of baptism uh, is a demonstration of this resurrection life that we have in Christ. And we haven't talked a lot about the resurrection because it's uh, we've been talking about the cross, yeah. uh, but the resurrection's like the icing on the cake uh, when we talk about what happens to us uh, at the cross. Yeah, it, linking what you've just said about the resurrection and the cross and baptism, I, I see every baptism as a drowning. Um, and I know in our church in bigger waters, if it's an adult baptism, we're usually we're just one block from the water. So we'll go through the vows in the church building, do you turn to Christ, do you repent of your sins, and then change the board shorts, walk around to the broad water, wade out waist deep into the water and baptize. Um, and it is like a death of the old, not like it is really, not like it, it is a death of the old life and the beginning of a new one. So, because um, Paul says, he doesn't say you will be raised with Christ. He says you've been raised with Christ. So in a sense, I know there's more yet to come. It, it symbolizes a whole new beginning. And that's been the case for me. It's like I was dead and now I'm alive. And great to hear of people being baptized in the ocean. Uh, those things, you know, for a lot of people, you, don't, you haven't got the ocean. A lot of our listeners in isolated communities and country towns, uh, you haven't got the ocean to go to. But no. uh, but you can go to the ocean where you are. And I guess, and I've been to some ocean water baptisms. I've been to some ocean water baptisms in the surf. And yes, it's, so it's quite amusing, actually. <laughs> get bumped over by the waves. Well, the reason we go to the ocean is Anglican churches don't usually have baptistry. So <laughs> where do we get the volume of water? I guess it yep. doesn't matter to God. It could be a bathtub. Yes. <laughs> well, you can be a part of our conversation today. We are talking about the treasures and your insights into the passion and the power of the cross, uh, even what it means to you today. We're bringing in all of these symbolisms that we can see in so many of the stories from the scriptures, uh, from baptism to washing of feet to spending time in prayer. All of these things relate to what happens on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316, the Reverend Canon Ron Bundy, our guest, and uh, taking your calls on 1-800-316-316. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Australia's Vision Radio Network. Talking about the riches, the value and the passion and power of the cross. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Ron Bundy, our guest leader of the Anglican parishes at the northern end of the Gold Coast. Ron is our in-studio guest. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Ron, let's come back to the cross. Uh, one thing we don't often hear about or talk about is what was happening legally in heaven. Uh, there is something significant about what God was doing that we don't really have any part of. We have a response to what God did on that day. Uh, but let's talk about some of the sort of, you know, the aspects of what God was doing with Jesus hanging on the cross. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, 
It just in the way you asked that is, uh, or make that statement as a reminder that Christianity is more about what God has done than what I do. It's more about what God has done for me than what I do for him. So what was happening was, this is how I see it from the scriptures, that God made a beautiful world, that God entrusted the looking after the planet to us men and women, boys and girls. And except for a few examples of glowing examples around the place, we haven't done a great job of it. There's wars, continuing wars. So there's a serious problem. God loves us, undoubtedly, but he can't overlook his, as, as Nick said before, he can't overlook the commandments. And so what Jesus did on the cross was pay a price, a redemption price. And it's not like you can say he died for 1,565,000 sins. It's, you can't put a price on the Son of God. But it's God saying, I love you, and this is costly, and this is the new deal with humanity that if you connect to my offer for forgiveness and a new start by looking to my son and believing him, I'll wipe your slate clean. You'll be as if you've never sinned. I'll give you my spirit and uh, a guaranteed eternal life on the basis of trusting in what he did on the cross, not what I do for him. There's lots of words that come to mind as you're talking about that and uh, words like propitiation (laughs) and some difficult words sometimes hard to get our minds around those uh, redemption, uh, the the substitutionary death of Christ, that he died in our place. These things are very important for us to understand, or at least it's very important for our leaders to understand these things so that when they're communicating uh, at street level, uh, you know, in our own way of understanding these things so that we can understand that, that, as you say, it was more about what God was doing for us yeah. on the cross. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think I know that God activated my salvation before I was born, 2,000 years before I was born. So he did it. God is God. And I think one of the difficulties is that uh, we've substituted a view of God to someone who um, is a bit like Santa Claus. Look, I take lots of funerals, and I've not got one funeral yet where uh, where anyone's had any doubt about the person going to heaven. Everyone goes to heaven when they die because God is going to accept everyone. It would be a nice thought, but it's not how I read the scriptures. Uh, no. And so the, that word which people find offensive, substitutionary, someone dying in my place. But that happens often. Like there's that story, a true story of the Polish man, a priest, Catholic priest in the Second World War, and uh, one in ten people are going to be put to death. And one man was selected to be put to death. And uh, he said, oh, no, what about my wife and children? And a Catholic priest said, look, I don't have any children. Can I take his place? And he did. And he was left to starve to death in a bunker. Substitutionary. He died out of his love for that man and put himself in that man's place. And that man lives ever in his debt. So that's why I try to live the Christ-centered life, not to earn God's love. I've already got it. But to say thank you, if that makes sense. And that word redemption is such a powerful word. And the imagery that comes to mind when I hear and, uh, and, and ponder on this word redemption is, is the release of a slave yes. from their slavery yeah. because a price has been paid and now I'm, I'm free. I'm no longer a slave to the sin that bound me. I'm free because of the price that was paid. Yeah, when I think of redemption, I think of cash converters. I, I think of a, different de- a de- desperate time in my life, in my pre-Christian life, when I was so desperate for money that I sold my lovely coin collection for, for okay. a trivial amount of money. The way I would have redeemed it, I'd have to go back and pay the redemption price to get it back. And what, what God has done for me because of my own sin, I've been put 
I've broken God's commandments again and again and again and again. If you think that you only have one bad thought a day, right? Just one, just thought. Not that'd be fantastic. Three hundred and sixty-five in a year times me nearly seventy. Uh, I wouldn't want to have that many traffic convictions, <laughs> let alone face God. So, what Jesus has done is stepped in and paid that redemption price to set me free from that. It's kind of hard to get my brain around it, but it's true. Ron, while I was mentioning a little earlier, there's the story of the cross and then there's the message of the cross. I was talking to someone recently, uh, Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch, and we were talking about a lot of the movies that you can see that depict uh, the, you know, the passion of the Christ, uh, the road yeah. to the cross, and, uh, and you can see those things. And, of course, there's a weakness in every one of those movies. And I guess there'll be a lot of those movies uh, on television sure. this weekend, uh, all places around the country. Uh, but there's something that those movies cannot teach you because they don't go into the depth of understanding in some of this terminology that we've been talking about, oh. because you have to come to the Bible to have an appreciation of what God has done. It's not just an image of someone who is hanging on a cross, oh. uh, you know, all bloodied and beaten. It's not an image like that. But the message of the cross is so much deeper, and it's an illustration of God's love. His love is being shown even through this tremendously violent act that happened on the cross. Undoubtedly. Uh, in fact, I'm meeting with someone later today, a new Christian, and uh, by way of assurance of them, I use that verse that everybody knows, John 3.16, but put their name, well, I put my name in it, keep it anonymous, uh, rather than for God so loved the world. It's all very well to think of the world that's out there, but what about me? For God so loved Ron that he gave his only son, that if Ron believes in him, Ron will not perish, but Ron will have eternal life. To me, that's the message of the cross, that God has done something for me. It's like all messages, all offers, you need to make it your own, and that's you do that by believing. All relationships are based on belief or faith. Ron, we will see images, whether it's in movies or whether it's part of a local church this coming weekend. We'll be hearing about the cross. What about the response of the individual's heart to these things that are on offer to us? God is offering us salvation. The cross is the central message in all of that. How do you like to ask people to respond, or how do you tell people how they could respond? Okay, um, I try to bring it down to street level because you know I used to think as an non-Christian, oh, is God that thin-skinned that He's worried about who what we believe? And I think no, it's not like that. When I take weddings, people make a step of faith or trust in the other person, and it, and uh, um, it's it's invisible, but it's a real bond. So let's think of you use the word offer, and I think of April the first and uh, the medic the medic. Um, Medical insurance yes. prices going yep. up. Yep. And there were certain offers, right? Ring us now. It's an offer. Take advantage of this yeah. offer. You've got to ring up. You've got to connect to make it yours. So how do I make the offer? There's Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection for me. Sins dealt with, new life to begin. I can look at it from a distance as an admirer, but I need to move from admiration to belief. Not just a head belief, but I need on my own to say, um, God, I'm sorry. I realized I've botched up things in my life. I acknowledge that through Jesus' death, um, you show that you love me. I accept what he did for me, and I ask you to come into my life now by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Something like that. And the connection is made. So the response, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Uh, because some people will say, well, you're just brought up from a child if you're in a Christian home. But there is a sense in which you get to a point in your life where you make a decision yourself, you where you come to faith in Christ. And uh, it's around this issue of Jesus and the cross, uh, his 
substitutionary death on the cross and that that is coming from God's initiative and that it's up to me. All I've got to do is respond. And uh, that response is the start of a whole new life. Undoubtedly. Again, using the wedding example, when we prepare people, we prepare them for their wedding, but for their marriage. So the wedding, if you like, the initial step of faith is the beginning. And the way, then you maintain that relationship by living a cross-shaped life, reading the Bible, praying, loving, and so on. Ron Bundy, great getting your insights today into the cross. And I'm excited to hear about what you are doing in your parishes there at the northern end of the Gold Coast. And, uh, of course, you're, uh, you've got the Bigger Waters Parish, also the Oxenford, Oxenford Parish and the Coomera Parish. That's right. And, uh, but at the Bigger Waters Parish on the Gold Coast tonight, uh, the all-night prayer vigil that follows those earlier opportunities for people to reflect on those issues of the cross and of the entire Easter week. Weekends, of course, culminating with great celebration on Resurrection Day. Ron Bundy, uh, just a pleasure talking. Thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.